1: hey everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to ice sport radio it is our rest of the league show my name is bill mats i am a director of fun and games for the evening uh we're gonna get into our rest of the nhl stuff pretty quickly but i have to lead off and do the introductions and then i just need to get something off my chest about the flyers uh let's start it off with the athletic.com's own charlie o'connor
0: you know what's really annoying about this flyer season it's that everything. It's that they're so bad that I can't even properly enjoy the fact that the Penguins are underachieving like crazy and the Devils are awful again. Like that I should <laughs> I should be really happy about both of these two things and instead I'm just spending all my time thinking about the Flyers. No, they're
1: really they're really like getting in the way of our enjoyment of other teams that we hate sucking yes. because they too suck. Chicago's awful. This I should be pumped about this. And they just beat the Penguins. Exactly. And like that should be something I enjoyed. And it's not. Because what am I going to do? Taunt the penguins? Ah, you fools in your cups. <laughs> yeah. And that right there is Stephalicious D, Steph Driver.
2: I gotta say, the Flyers are, are just making hockey miserable for me. <laughs> that's, I find, that's really bad with the job that I have.
1: I find great enjoyment in watching Toronto and in watching Colorado especially. They are a ton of fun to watch. Uh, I just, I just kind of ignore the Flyers, except for what I'm working, and then I get to go wild about them, like I did on post-game last night. And I realize that this is ice sport, but like I said, I just did post-game last night, and while I use that as, like, my own therapy session for this team, it's still kind of a one-way medium. People are typing questions and messages, and I read them and respond, but I honestly just need to talk to somebody about last night's game and it can't wait until Monday. It's it just it can't, uh, fam. I have straight up snapped. I'm round the bend, as they say. The Flyers have so many problems. Uh, many of them don't have an easy fix. Nolan Patrick just has to become good. There's only so much they can do. Carter Hart has to be great. They can have their development plan and do everything right on their end. But at the end of the day, he needs to have greatness inside of him. That is just something that either is or isn't. It's a necessary component. But Dave Haxtell is a fixable problem. Send him home. He's bad and there's no point. I very much get the people who refuse to talk about anything until uh, like that obvious problem is fixed because it has an obvious solution. 22 minutes for Andrew McDonald. 10 for Travis Sandheim. The sample size on Dave Haxtall is big enough. He's fucking bad. How, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Can either of you
2: answer that question? What is the point? Well, no, I can't answer it. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have an answer for what the point is. I am, like, all right, so, so. I hit my breaking point probably this time last week where I had to start watching videos of of wild cats because I just couldn't deal with anything hockey anymore.
1: The ones that purr or roar, but not both?
2: Yes. Yep. Uh, Tigers actually make a really cute chuffing sound. That's what it's called, a chuff. So, anyway. Also, wait, more big cat facts. (laughs) The noises that you think of as a lion's roar in movies are actually tiger's roars. Oh. Yeah. So, so you know, watch some big cat stuff instead of the flyers. Um, I look at this team, and they're talented on paper, like we know, Claude Giroux is talented. We know Jake Voracek is talented. We know Sean Couturier is talented. We know Shane Gastaspar is talented. We know Provorov has talent somewhere in that body. Um, there are other very talented participants because I can't I can't even call them players right now just because they're on my nerves. Every single one of them. But there's no logical reason for them to be as bad as they are right now. The worst power play in hockey. Like, there was literally, or I'm sorry, penalty kill. There was literally nothing that they could do to make it worse because there is no worse than this.
1: Yeah, the power play might be the worst. In ho- uh, they got a goal last night, so it's probably keeping them ahead of Chicago for now. But, you know, they also give up shorthanded goals like it's nobody's business. Charlie, you watched this game with an analytical eye last night. There's a lot wrong with this team. I can't put it all on Dave Haxtall and as an extension of him, Andrew McDonald. But these are just two inexcusable things that need to be corrected, no?
0: I mean, if you read my article about the game this morning... I have I, not yet, but I plan on it. So my original plan was that, like, my first my first observation was going to be, you know, just sort of high-level view of this Flyers team just currently it just finds ways to lose. That's their identity. They find ways, ways to lose games. And then my number two was going to be breaking down the questionable coaching related decisions and I got about two paragraphs in and I realized that you know what I'm just going to do three like three observations each on one separate questionable coaching decision that directly led to goals against so three out of my 10 observations were on dumb coaching decisions and I literally just I think I just called it like stupid decision number one stupid decision number two stupid decision number three so yes like I I think what it boils down to with me with hackstall is just that like I don't know, I, I definitely get the impression that the, that the Flyers under Fletcher are going to make big changes. At you know, on some level, they're going to make changes that they wouldn't have hired him if they didn't think he was going to make big changes. But if you, before you do that, you know, before you blow up the core, before you you start you know reshaping the roster in this new way because you've decided that the current roster just can't get the job done, before you do that. I'd really like to see how they perform under a different coach. Because like, I don't I don't know that Dave Hackstall is this horrible coach that everyone in, in Philadelphia believes he is, but I'm pretty damn certain that he's not a great coach. So I don't know like why I don't know what the upside really is to just riding it out with him. Like, I, I've seen enough of Dave Haxel to think that he's not a Hall of Fame coach. And if he's not a Hall of Fame coach, then, like, why are you keeping him around with all these bad results when he's in, when he's basically a lame duck? Like, I just, I don't know. It's just a matter of, like, before we make big decisions on what we're going to do to shake up the roster, why don't we see if they can do better under, under a new head voice?
1: I was willing to just say he's probably average and the team is... You know the goaltending, the special teams, blah blah blah. There's a lot of extenuating circumstances, but the fact of the matter is, he thinks good players are bad and bad players are good, and that means he can't do the fundamental thing: identify who to put on the ice. At, at like people, I can't believe he had Andrew McDonald on the ice at the end. I can. That's what he wants him in there. Oh for. yeah. Oh yeah. No, he I. He thinks I totally he's good it. at that. Yeah, I and totally if he can thinks believe it. If he thinks he's good at that, that means they're going to lose games like this forever. He thinks this team is capable of going up 2-0 and winning 3-1. I gotta be honest, fam. I don't know if I've seen that like formula play out once under this coach. They are incapable of doing anything but playing dramatic games one way or the other or getting blown out. Those are the only two scenarios that ever play out: a crazy scramble at the end with one team having the goalie pulled, or eight to two.
0: Yeah, I think my big fear is that you know there's all this talk about trading somebody in the core and what, and I get it, you know, I understand. You you, you see these kind of losses every other night, and that's what's the logical choice. But I worry about like it's so much easier to change coaches than it is to make a good make a trade, and I just don't want to be in a situation where. You know, fixing Jake Voracek, and who, by the way, actually played pretty well last night. Like, I thought it was one of his. Better he did. He games. backchecked yeah, and everything. Yeah, it was one of his better games <laughs> in weeks. Um, but like, I don't. If if fixing Jake Voracek is as simple as getting a new coach, like, I'd rather do that than trade Jake Voracek for peanuts. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Oh no, that I I'm afraid of the like because Voracek's the big one. Simmons is whatever. He's leaving at the end of the year anyway. Unless you read 31 thoughts and you you read that negotiations are going to reopen this week with Wayne Simmons, uh, because, uh, Fletcher's out on the trip in Western Canada and he's going to start talking to some of those guys. Um, like Voracek's the big one. And my fear is like, all right, you want to go out and get a defenseman. We could use one of those. Cool. I really don't want to, in a lot of these trades, the team trading the forward loses. And I think, defense, a, a top-four defenseman is typically more valuable than a winger, but Voracek is really valuable, and he doesn't have an effective center. Like, there's only—and last night, he did, and he, like you said, played one of his best games in weeks. So, like, I'm, I'm torn on what they should do right now, but they just got to replace this fucking coach, man. It's It's enough. It's enough! There's no explanation for keeping him around. Anyway, I'm moving on. That's I mean, you're
2: totally right. I, I was in New York, and I was unable to watch. Yeah, the Steph game. Yeah, Steph didn't
1: know how the game played out and just saw the final score, and was like, oh, that's normal. I was dog-sitting for her. She gets home and asks what happened. I'm like, oh, no, they had a two-goal lead with a minute nine left in the game. She's like, wait, no. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they blew a two-goal lead and lost inside of three minutes of total game time. It was amazing. It was incredible. Just- it was Stunning. honestly incredible. Stunning. But let's move on to the rest of the league. Like I said, this is Ice Sport Radio. I just had to do some yelling because, honestly, I didn't get enough out in the 57 minutes of postgame I did last night. I would have start with something that honestly brings us all joy. I realize he's a rival. He's division opponent, blah, blah, blah. But Alex Ovechkin, man, uh, if you didn't learn to love him this offseason, I don't know when you will. I've always been a fan just because – The rivalry was him versus Crosby, and I obviously hate Sidney Crosby, so I have been on the Alex Ovechkin end of things. Hat trick on Tuesday night, leads the league with 25 goals in 30 games. Uh, If you go to NHL.com and just look at the leaders category, um, it's an updated picture of Ovechkin. So we keep talking about how the league's getting younger and faster and everything's trending young. And then you look at Silver Fox, Alex Ovechkin, still sitting up there. Like he's got the he's got the touch of gray going and everything. And I just This dude's an ageless wonder. And Friedman opened up 31 Thoughts with the thing I wanted to open up with today, so it was kind of nice. Uh we're on the same page there. After I went and saw that picture in number eight. He's got an outside chance to get to Gretzky's goal record. It's not likely. It's not possible. It's not. It's, it's not impossible, but it's not likely. But man, he's just scoring. He is on a better scoring pace right now than when he scored 65.
2: This dude just doesn't stop scoring goals. It's wildly impressive. Well, I don't think that they have another cup run in them this year, eh, maybe. They don't have another cup win in them this year, I think. Um, the Capitals are are... Kind of making it look like they didn't really need Barry trots. You, you know interesting-
0: I, uh, I Go ahead, Charlie. You, you know what I love the most about this uh this extremely fast star for Alexander Ovechkin? Whenever somebody tells me that like drinking like crazy is bad for you, I can just ah! point to what Ovechkin did after winning the cup and being like, Yeah, you know what? He basically drank nonstop the entire summer, came back and scored twenty five goals in his first thirty games. So there's that. That was part of, uh, of Friedman's article, because it was like the
1: opening before he actually gets to the thoughts, I think. And he was just like, anyone who watched those videos this year really thought there might be an actual cup hangover. I was like, alright, now Ovechkin's done everything, he's got all the Richard trophies, he finally got his cup, now maybe he can take it easy, and nope. Here we are with the Miko Rantanins of the world, the Braden points of the world. We're we're, we're seeing all these these young guys take over. Here's 33-year-old Ovechkin, 25 goals in 30 games. Uh, He started this season 287 goals behind Gretzky. So averaging 47 goals per season in his career. Uh, That put him six seasons away from, from getting to Gretzky's goal record. He's 33 in the most uh, most goals scored by anyone that age or older. Jager's 54 from 05-06, so the first year out of the lockout. Ovechkin is 25-30 uh, on pace to beat uh, what he did when he scored 65. I would love to see somebody get to 60-65 again. We talk about Line A and all these guys who might do it. But when you talk about a generational talent, I mean, I, I know what Crosby is, and he's had an amazing career. But to be this awesome at this one thing, and it be the most important thing. Scoring goals is the most important thing. You can't win without it. I'm just in awe of this guy, and to see it continue to go after, oh, is it, he had a minus 35 season. He has no interest in defense. And then you look at, actually... He scores more empty net goals than anybody, which means he's making defensive plays to end games. Like, that's what he does is make defensive... Sure, there's no goalie. But that's because he's out there when the other team is doing what it's got to do to try to win. He's got to make the defensive play. I'm just really impressed by this guy. And I thought it needed to be talked about because it's not out of the realm of possibility. He averages 47 for the next couple of years. Like... He could get 60 this year.
2: Yeah. Um. The, the question that you added here is, could he challenge Gretzky? And I think that he could with the asterisk of if he doesn't go back to the KHL, if he doesn't go back to Russia. I think that he's going to play for a very long time. I don't know if it'll be Yager long, but I think he's going to play for a very long time. So it's feasible. And, you know, his skill is not dropping off.
0: Yeah, I think you could really, if he, if he wants to, and I think the KHL point's a good point. You know, He could pull a Datsuk, where he just wants to, he's done everything he wants to do in the NHL. He's 37, 38 years old. And he's just like, I can still play. I'd rather play at home. But it's very feasible to me that he could, as he ages and even moving into his like early 40s he could just turn himself in a, into something of a specialist you know a third line winger who gets eight minutes a night of five on five and just shoots the puck on the power play on ever on a team's top power play unit and it bounces around between three or four teams who need a basically need a hired hand for a season and basically does what Yager did. That's completely feasible to me because I don't think he's ever going to lose that shot. And it yeah, and, that's... And, and it's not like he moves around that much in the power play now. He just stands there and waits for someone to get the, get him the puck and goalies know it's coming. Other power plays know it's coming. And they can't stop it. I don't think that's gonna change <laughs> I don't think that's gonna change in six years.
1: No, that's the thing, Charlie, I think we've talked about this before when People say the, the the Flyers, the problem with their power play is it's predictable. Well, what in the hell is more predictable than freaking Alex Ovechkin's going to stand there and rip a slap shot? You yeah. know exactly what's coming, and he does it at a higher rate than pretty much anybody ever. Like, we're talking about him challenging Gretzky right now. And again, not likely, but um, I think last week Pierre Lebrun, for you guys, Charlie, wrote that things that you know, how to fix hockey basically kind of article. And my, one of the things I've always thought, because we're going to get to it in a minute, the, uh, like the disappearance of these middle class players we're talking about. And it's going to be a lot of veterans, like a lot of vets who could be making two, three million bucks. But it's like, yeah, we're actually just going to, you know, pay someone on an ELC 900 grand to do what you would do for three mil, So no. And my thing that I would kind of do to fix that because I do think veteran presence is necessary, and I don't want to run guys out of the league. The fact that you have to have scratches is asinine to me. I think you should be able to dress all 23 guys. And if you were able to dress all 23 guys, you could just have a guy like Ovechkin, who you only put out on the power play, and he would still score 35 goals. Like, it's it, that would happen. It's not going to stop him from scoring, and I think that's a way you could get around something like that is... We're not asking for more roster spots. We're going to have the same 23 guys. We're just allowed to trust them all.
0: Yeah, yeah. We've just got – I I, I yeah. like that. I mean, I'd be totally fine with that. But one thing I do want to bring up, though, about this whole chasing Gretzky thing, like I get why it's a big deal when you, just to meet the raw the raw counting numbers. I get it. You know, it, it's, numbers matter. And, you know, having the most goals in NHL history, the most points in NHL history, the most home runs in a season, like they're, they're big numbers. But – what does need to be pointed out, and this is something that a couple of people pointed out on Twitter today, is that if you adjust goal scoring for era, oh Ovechkin yeah, Ovechkin is already the best goal scorer of all time. Like yeah, oh. he is because goalies could not actually play goal in the 80s when Gretzky was scoring those goals. That's not to say Wayne Gretzky wasn't an amazing player and maybe the best all around player of all time. He very probably was, but his his 200 point seasons probably shouldn't have been 200-point seasons. It's just that goalies had not yet caught up to offense yet, and now they have. And Ovechkin is still scoring at incredible rates despite that.
1: Oh, yeah, they're basically out there in, like, glorified player pads, and they didn't know, hey, if I go down to my knees, I can take up a lot more of the net. Like, oh, yeah, shoot it at their skates, and it goes in. The worst skating player is in net. That's why he's in net. Like, that's how he ended up playing goal, because he couldn't freaking skate. Uh, it, 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 it. But... The raw totals are the, the the records are the records. You can only play in the area you played in. I get it. But no, if you adjust. That said, give Gretzky this technology. Like, look at the skates he was playing with in the eighties. Like, I, I I picked up a pair of Bobby Orr's skates once, and I'm like, he skated around the league in these? Yeah. Jesus Christ.
0: And, yeah. And and also, I mean, put Wayne Gretzky and everyone in that era on modern day nutrition and weight training programs and they're probably a lot more talented too that's that's totally fair well
1: not too much nutrition otherwise like you get your gm gets fired (laughs) and then you tweet out a picture of everyone eating wings and then the team looks hung over the next day
2: (laughs) fucking I, i i gotta move on i gotta i gotta get away this is ice sport i gotta relax um, the Flyers' power play is not last in the league, but oh. it is bottom five.
1: Oh, okay, that's good. That goal must have picked them up a little. They were tied for second to last on Monday when I looked, but...
2: They're, in, they're bottom four. It's like Thursday the,
1: now, so fourth. yeah. Good job, JVR. You got us out of the bottom two. Uh, we're talking about goaltending and how, in this era, it is obviously much better. But I read this article on Yahoo this week. I heard about it on Puck Soup. looked it up, and... um. At last check, more than half the teams in the league have team save percentages be- at or below 900. It's like three teams at 900 and like 13 or something below. Um, wow, goaltending has really fallen off, and I just wanted to get you guys, because uh, I am look- I just feel like I'm seeing a lot more flute goals, like the one that went in on Mike Smith last night, but I'm also seeing a lot more snipes. Like, I feel like a lot more guys are shooting and it's going in. Like, obviously, Ovechkin takes a shot. There's a good chance it's going in. But Mark Giordano rips one from, I don't know, a pretty good danger area last night. But it's not like it was a goddamn... He's not Steven Stamkos. And it goes in over the goalie's shoulder. I feel like I'm seeing a lot more of that. And I just wanted to know what you think is, is going with this. Because, sure, the Flyers are getting bad results in that. But so are most of the teams
2: in the league, if you look at the numbers. I think there's a lot of goalie injuries. Um, like, to a lot of the good goalies. Like, is Jonathan Quick still out? I should know this. He just came back, I believe. All right. Uh, but um, they were having a lot of problems. Like, their their backup and then their second backup was also injured, right?
1: Yeah, they had a lot of issues, and that's part of the article. Like, a lot of teams who locked up goalies a few years ago, especially pre-lockout to the illegal contracts, like, I think 10 teams in the league came into the year with a goalie who was going to be their number one, 32 or older. It's like, oh, yeah, everyone's real fast now, and while you think that might not affect the goalies, it does.
2: Yeah, um i I don't have a lot of opinions on this, which is not helpful for a podcast. Um, I do have a lot of opinions about just how much better the rest of the league's goalies are compared to the Flyers goalies, but that's again not the show that we're doing tonight.
0: I I'm, I'll be the I'll be the boring person here. I'm not totally convinced this isn't just a like a one month long fluke, and by the end of the year the numbers are going to look normal again. Like I, I just, it's it's still a little early to me to believe that we've reached this new period where goal scoring is back and goalies suck again. Like I just, I don't know. I I I want to see it extend for the entire season before I make these grand pronouncements. You know?
1: Oh, obviously. I feel like in past years we've seen this. And it's already started to trend down by the time you get to December, and it hasn't quite yet. Uh, I I thought maybe you're going to take the analytical route here, Charlie, because I pulled some numbers out of this article. Expected uh, expected goals scored has increased 11 percent in all situations, and I feel like there's a greater there's a greater emphasis on shot quality, especially like the medium danger uh, medium danger uh, save percentage is uh, down a lot. High danger's still about where it was, but like the medium uh, is down, and its shots on goal are up eight point seven percent, which tells me unless you are the Flyers, uh, guys are hitting the net more, which means they're electing for better shots. Uh, so I thought maybe that played into it. I and mean, it, course, it, de- it
0: definitely plays into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it, it plays into why it's happened so far, without a doubt. Yeah. Now whether that whether it's going to continue, whether teams are still going to have higher expected goal numbers than they have in past years over the next three and a half months. That's where yeah. I just get a little skeptical. But yeah, you know, this isn't this isn't a fluke in the sense it's it's kinda like if, you know, it's kind of like William Carlson. Like, was William Carlson's goal-scoring season a total fluke last year? No, you watched the goals, and they were legit goals. You just looked at it, and you're like, yeah, but he's not going to score 40-plus goals again. He's just not. And that's sort of what I'm looking at here, where I don't think the fact that there have been more goals thus far is is fluky or, or not deserved. I just don't—I I look at hockey as kind of just like a tug-of-war, and right now the offense side is a little bit ahead, but— I trust in the ability of NHL coaches to boring up the thing.
1: Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. I will say I do believe smaller pads are playing somewhat of a role as well, just because, like I said, I swear I'm seeing more snipes. And it's just like guys are more confident because they're seeing a little bit of the net, a little bit more of the net from that medium distance. Just a little bit more. And I'm fro. Okay, I'm unfrozen now.
2: Uh, Guys, has anyone? I just didn't have anything to add. No, no, no.
1: You were frozen. No, my my um, the outline actually froze. It's like okay, and I can't move on to the next thing. But now I can. Uh, So, has anyone else seen this report? The Rockets owner, the Houston Rockets of the NBA, their owner wants to buy the Coyotes and move them to Houston. Uh, It's been kind of an ongoing thing. He's wanted to do this for a bit. Uh, the uh, There was a lot of speculation last week when it was announced Seattle was going to be joining the league and that the Coyotes would be moving to the Central uh, from the Pacific. It's like, oh, this is just making it easier for when they move to Houston. A lot of that. Uh, I heard about this listening to ESPN on Ice. Emily Kaplan said that this has been reported before, and it's general knowledge, Rockets owner Tillman Fortitta Uh, is interested in the team, but I guess he contacted them again recently. Like, hey, I'm trying to do this. What do you think? Is the team for sale? Not necessarily for sale, but it's just kind of... I feel like it's inconvenient running that team. So if someone comes in with a really, really strong offer, they're going to go, you know what, we're done with all the where we're gonna play controversy we're never any good we can't possibly be turning like any any sort of noticeable profit here you go it's yours like i feel like that's a thing that could happen number one no they're not bad but like they're not relevant yet
2: i mean their penalty kill is top in the nhl
0: yeah but does any Um, does anybody buy tickets to watch a penalty kill
2: no (laughs) i did when michael richards
1: was in town (laughs) fair no um, Mike Richards. Michael Richards is Kramer, and he, he says inappropriate things.
2: Okay. <laughs> okay. So I want to buy the flyers and fire the entire front office staff and put my friends in charge. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. But I, you're I not a it... billionaire
1: like the owner of the Houston Rockets. Like, this guy yeah, could. Yeah, what do you
2: know? What do you know about my bank account?
1: I, I know you're not a billionaire because you're on a fucking <laughs> podcast with
2: me. You know that it's empty. <laughs> 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 I'm just saying, I don't... I understand that people want to do things. I understand that there's still the notion that they're going to be moved to Houston. I, I'm I'm not buying it yet. And that's not just because I like Jacob Chikrin. It's because I, I really think that they're going to try and give this a shot in Arizona. And I think that they're going to continue. I think that Gary Bettman has a lot riding on this team being successful in Arizona. That said, what happens after the lockout? I, I don't know, but I don't think that they're going to move to Houston before the lockout.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of with uh, – I- I- I'm with Steph mostly in that I do believe that Bettman – would betman really wants the the arizona thing to work and it's not and it's not just a sense of pride like that's a big television market that's a real and and he's also seeing some legitimate concrete examples of why it's helpful to have a foothold in that market perfect example being austin matthews probably doesn't play hockey if there isn't a team in our in, in in phoenix so i understand why they're invested in it and honestly before a few weeks ago i would have to been totally on the on the train of they're not gonna move them. The NHL just won't let it happen. The fact that they're that the Coyotes franchise is getting moved to the Central Division does raise my eyebrows. Because that's the first time where it's like, wait, what is the NHL doing? Because it's very clear what sign, what what message that sends. And everyone knows it. And the fact that the NHL was still okay with doing it, that that makes me wonder if they're more open to this possibility than they've let on.
1: My thing was always, I just assumed, like, if the Coyotes were going to be moved, it wouldn't be to open up some new market. Let's have another test market. Like, it was twofold. All right, we're going to send them to Hamilton or Quebec City or whatever, and we're going to extract our, I don't know, what will the next expansion fee be? $800 million? from a billionaire, and like a Texas oil billionaire or some shit like that, I didn't think they would pass it up for that kind of market. Uh, That's a
2: really good point. I
1: just always That's- assumed that. But if this guy, I, I it, it'll be interesting to watch. I would like for it to work because, like you said, there is value in having hockey in these places. Hockey in its traditional markets, to me, is at 100%. You are aware of hockey, and you're either a fan of it, a consumer of it, if or you're not. In order to create new fans, you actually have to create new fans and take it to places where it isn't. And we've seen the dividends. Austin Matthews, Shane Bear. Like, we know what happens when you put hockey in places. It opens it up. So So I don't want it to happen, but at the same time, Houston, like Phoenix, huge market. There should probably be a team there. And when you're in a place that already has a rink, like in Slapshot, they've already built the rink. Uh... I think...
2: Yeah, well, they have in Quebec, too.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: So, is it possible that we as hockey fans are just reading into this far too much? Oh, yeah, because obviously. Because looking at, looking at a map, the team that is physically in location closest to the Central Division out of all of the Pacific teams is Arizona.
1: Oh, it makes geographical sense, considering you're adding a team to the Pacific.
2: Like it's definitely the closest. I mean, Calgary is kind of close, but there's no other team near Calgary except for Edmonton. And
1: that's they talked. Well, why didn't they move Calgary or Edmonton? It's because they're not going to split up the battle yeah. of Alberta. Not yeah. Like, yeah, yeah you're you, not you yeah. Like, have to split them up. You have to move them both physically.
2: In terms of location, Arizona is the closest yeah. one.
1: Oh no, there's definitely an element of where we're always looking if the Coyotes are going to move. So. Anything that happens with the coyotes, we're going to read into it.
2: I had I had to check a map because I don't know really where any of the locations in California. <laughs> I meant to say Colorado. Let me try that a third time. Canada. I don't know where any of the locations in Canada are. Oh yeah, so Canada
1: is a mystery to me. I don't. The, know
0: only, the only reason why I know where the locations are is because the flyers have been showing that road trip map about five times <laughs> a game this week. So now I know where everything is.
2: I. You know, I tried three times to say Canada, and, you know, it didn't quite work out. So that's how important all of those teams are to me. Sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. And I guess
0: it's not the Flyers. It's NBC Sports Philadelphia. I just equate the two. When I'm watching a, lo- when I'm watching a local broadcast, I just say the Flyers, even though it's actually the television network.
1: <laughs> yeah, the television network that owns the team. Yeah, right. So, guys, you know what I found out watching hockey this week? That the word directly – doesn't always mean directly, and I just did air quotes. I just did air quotes for everyone who's not uh, on this Google Hangout with us. Um, so a dump in uh, in the uh, what the hell was it the the Blues Panthers game this week? There was a dump in from center ice that hit official Tim Peel in the corner, and ricocheted into the net off of R- Roberto Luongo's skate. Now the rule book reads. A puck that hits an official and goes directly into the net does not count as a goal. A lot, And this goal was waved off. However, a lot of people raised eyebrows at this because it didn't go directly in. It hit Luongo first. But apparently, that's not what directly means. Directly means if it doesn't hit another player not including the goalie. So if this puck, as Greg Wyshynski pointed out in this article I, li- I, uh, I linked to had hit the post, and then hit the goalie, and then hit the post again, and then gone in the net, it still would not have counted. When you saw this play, what was your initial reaction?
0: I laughed. Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was my initial reaction.
2: My initial reaction was, did the puck hit him in the dick?
1: (laughs) There's a lot of allusion to where it hit him. I think a lot of people are saying it did, in fact, hit him in the groin area.
2: That sucks. I just,
1: whether it's the rule or not, I was like, there's, this can't count. There's absolutely no way that this should count. Like, this is no. bullshit. And I was happy that it didn't. I was like, okay. And then you look at the rule book and go, "Oh, there's a case for it to count. But it, in fact, did not. And it makes sense. But it was just a really funny thing that happened in hockey this week. Like, that's the I feel like fluke goals are way up. Maybe I'm just noticing it more. And this one didn't count, so it doesn't count to the total of goal of you know save percentage being down. But I'm just like seeing a lot of weird fucking goals. I don't know.
2: I think that it's reasonable to say it's it's a fluky play. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think it was Ovechkin had a goal this week that was like it was not going anywhere near the net. It was off probably by ten feet. Oh no, that off somebody else and went into the net.
1: One of his first two in, in the hat trick he scored on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it was, was going into the corner. The shot he took yeah. was going into the corner, and it hit a guy and went and went in. It was, it was a real—I feel like that's happening so much.
2: But if it had been an official that wouldn't have, Would counted, not have counted, I have decided I don't like that rule. Get the fuck out of the way, officials. Well, I mean,
1: if an official was standing in front of the net, that would be a whole different issue.
2: <laughs> You're right.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, for the record, I I'm fine with this rule. Like, if if this happened to the Flyers and a, an official accidentally knocked the puck in the net, even if the goalie then later had a chance to stop it, I, I would be livid. So I I can't I can't say I disagree with the with the rule at all. But what is interesting to me is that it kind of it opens up some other questions. Uh, so, like for example, I'm thinking back to I forget which game it was, but it was the it was the one of the. It was the game where they gave up two shorthanded goals in one uh, in in one shift yeah. and and Ghost was tracking the puck back and he gets tangled up with the referee and then there's a breakaway as a result and he's live or, or it was the it was the linesman. I said on Twitter yeah. the official and some jackass is like no it was the linesman you moron. It's like really shut the fuck They're up. They're all officials. But 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 anyway. So I think back to that and I say like Okay, well, if you're going to say that officials can't cause a goal like that, do you blow those plays dead where maybe they didn't deflect the puck in the net, but the opportunity for a goal would not have happened if you didn't screw up to begin with?
1: Yeah, that's what I I jumped to that same thing, Charlie, because it it always kicking the puck in the net. You're not allowed. You can kick the puck anywhere on the ice and it's totally legal. But if you kick it into the net, it doesn't count. Like, And that's kind of the correlation I drew. Like, all right, the official's allowed to fuck up the play anywhere unless it directly goes, I, I don't know. It, I, I thought the same thing. Like, why doesn't that get blown dead then? It's clearly this play was caused by an entanglement with the official. Indeed. Okay. Indeed. <laughs> Uh, what? How much time are we here? Okay, so we're gonna do this last thing. Uh, and it's just something that that came out of the um of the Sharks game this week. And I talked about how those those middle class players are disappearing. It's a it's a real talking point. And uh, Joe Pavelski, I can't say he's a he's necessarily a middle class player because he's a sixty or seventy point guy on pace for sixty or seventy points. Um. And he's on pace for his most goals in at least three years, but he's 34, and his contract's up at the end of this year. And if you're a GM, what exactly are you comfortable giving him? And Coach Peter DeBoer kind of went on a uh, kind of went on a real. I, coaches always talk up their guys, but I, it's I think it's odd to hear something like this. I don't think he's dropped off at all. Age is just a number for a guy like him. He works so hard, and his game isn't about speed. It's about all those other things, and you don't lose things, uh, and you don't lose those things as you get older. And the article I read about him just kind of went on to say how he's going to get paid one way or the other. Um, but GMs are going to be uncomfortable and kind of, uh, what do you give him? How do you really? And it's one of those uh, 34-year-old. Even if he's still good, like you're a GM, what are you comfortable giving him? I think coaches are going to start really lobbying like this, like even harder to make sure they get to keep these guys. Because Jesus, what would a coach want more than a player who can still score, has played in all the playoff games a guy like Pavelski has, like has all the intangibles too, but is still really good.
0: So, so what I think is going to happen, and this might not happen overnight, but I, I think you're already seeing it a little bit, and, uh, and one guy who you're seeing it with is Pavelski's teammate, Joe Thornton, is I just think that I don't think the issue, especially for when you're talking about these, this middle-class squeeze, I don't think the issue is necessarily money in the short term. It's that no one wants to give these old guys terms. So I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot more like very lucrative one year deals given to guys in their mid to late 30s that are still good because no one wants to give them a three, four year deal because that's just too dangerous. But would you give Joe Pavelski seven mil over one year? Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know if I I don't know if he'll get that. He's on a six, a six million dollar contract now. So that might be a little bit too much. But if he scores 40 goals this year. Yeah, he, he might get a mil over seven or two mil, you know, a two-year, uh, a two-year $14 million deal, seven mil a year. Like, I could see it. I just think that the what's going to happen with the Pavelski crew is that you're just not going to see these guys getting getting long-term deals later. And I, when I say long-term, I mean, like, anything over three years.
2: Yeah. That's—I look
1: at—oh, go ahead, Steph.
2: I would say that makes a lot of sense. I— I don't know is it recent that teams have have gotten really gun shy about term?
1: Uh they've always paid lip service to so we don't want to get locked into long term deals and then they do. Uh, <laughs> like yes. Uh, I look at I, if I'm a young team though, like that's my thing is I think some of these guys are going to start getting poached. Uh like I Yeah, Thornton gets his one year deal over and over and he's just going to be a shark for life cuz that's the way it is. If I'm like the Sabres, I look at what uh, Toronto did with Patrick Marlowe. It's like, yeah, even if his play falls off, we only have so many of these guys. Like, if I'm the Sabres, I'm thinking, yeah, he's going to get seven for one year. Man, I'm real interested in giving him 15 for three. Like, I think that's where it's going to happen is real young teams who still have the leeway because they have guys on the, on the cheaper side still are going to start uh, poaching some of these some of these older guys and just kind of going yeah windows are earlier than ever now it's it's totally fine and in 3 years we'll be out of it it's not that long
2: ageist ah uh, yeah
1: i mean i hate all old people but you know
2: <laughs> well fuck you too
0: <laughs> well, I'm, the yo- I'm i'm the youngest one here so i'm feeling pretty good charlie is well, so well fuck young. you too i'm young at heart are you though? Kind of. Once a week, sure. I'm pretty I, I, I guess you watch wrestling, so. Yeah, I'm always going to be a little kid.
2: <laughs> I can't take Missy for a walk tonight because my back is so sore from walking around New York City yesterday. That's the that's the type of old we're dealing with here.
1: Oh, I'm going to New York this weekend and Ave wants to like, oh, we're going to go see the tree and all the window stuff. It's like, oh, it sounds like a lot of walking."
0: yeah it's like let's just find a bar
1: yeah (laughs) i've been to new york city three times in my life and it's it's been to two or three bars total i kind of i kind of like just to hold it down uh but i think that's all the time we have for you on ice sports anybody else have anything pressing they think we should get to any headlines i missed i don't think so I'm usually pretty great at this stuff, so I didn't. You
2: think are. So. <laughs> That's why you're the director of Funny yeah. Games.
1: So that is all the time we have for you on iSport Radio this week. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast feed iTunes, Spotify, all those places, Stitcher. Uh, and come out to our Festivus party on Sunday, oh, yeah. the, Sunday the 23rd. It is at Tavern on Broad. Uh, it's going to be a great time. We have drink specials during the game, 7 to 10. It's Flyers, Rangers. Eagles play earlier that day, so you'll have watched Nick Foles lead us back to the promised land. It's happening. Miracles going down, and then you come out and celebrate the Flyers beating the Rangers. It's going to be a good time. We're going to air our grievances. I heard Charlie's going to be doing the test of strength because he goes to the gym so often. Why not put it to use?
2: Oh, it's going to be Craig. Actually, there's a good chance Charlie Charlie. isn't
0: coming. I'm not going to this, probably. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to be be in New York covering the game, most likely.
1: And honestly, I think our toughest, the person that you would probably not want to mess with is Kelly.
0: Yeah,
2: probably.
1: I'm pretty sure she's a ninja or something.
2: Oh, Kelly would kick all of our asses easily. And, of
1: course, come and check us out at the Ed Snyder table on the 20th. We'll be at the game against the Predators. It's authentic fan night, fam. So, make sure you get that hat giveaway because you're an authentic fan. That's why you're listening to this show. All right, I've rambled enough. That's it. Have a great week, everybody. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include